Oh, man. Got some stuff going on around town. I think I'll need to, to get some help from my friends. Maybe I'll uh, get my friends uh, Ben and Speller, Lavid Blaine, Chris Angel, but with a CH, not just a CR. Uh, Big Freed and... Boy, this this isn't working. We're talking about don't look under the bed for trunk or treat. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to maybe still your new favorite show. I don't know. That intro was real bad, but I'm not going to re-record it. This is The More You Nerd, and it is October, meaning it is time to get back to trunk or treat Halloween thrills for the younger crowd. As we uh, as as Miles knows, I am a big, old, scary, scary dude. I mean, scared dude, scaredy cat. <laughs> I'm not scary at all. Uh, You're on fire tonight. It's what you are. <laughs> I may as well be. Um, <laughs> Miles, how are you, my friend? I, uh, outside of that intro, am doing well. I am very, very excited for the season. And I just, I love taking this time. I mean, there, there are, I'm often tempted to do other things for this month, but uh, I'm, I'm just super, super passionate about gateway horror and people having these these movies that we don't see quite as often it seems to be possibly getting better um and we'll talk about that a little bit this month because at, at least one choice from this this year's selection is from 2022 and so i'm a big proponent of that and i feel like some kids horror gets a bad rap for because a lot of it came from Disney. A lot of stuff came from uh, the DCOMs uh, over the years. I mean, outside of uh, the, the D- mid to D- early 90s. DCOMs for the uninitiated like myself, Disney Channel original movies. Correct. D-coms. Which is what we are talking about tonight. Uh, and don't look under the bed. But Disney has a, a, a long history of having horror themed decoms. I mean, you're Halloween town, you're, you're on zombies three. Now uh, you have a, a, a number of my babysitter is a blank kind of things. Um, and under wraps as well as the reboot and the new sequel coming out this year, there, there are a bunch of Halloween themed stuff. My problem with a lot of them is that they tend to be fluffier than their early 90s output like Hocus Pocus. The, 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 I, I will say as someone who has watched some of the zombies, Disney Channel original movies, DCOMs, I got to get in the habit of saying that um, they're not at all scary. Like, no, when you have zombies that are half of the football team that are hanging out they're with, singing and dancing for singing one and dancing <laughs> and they're an accepted part of the society like that ain't that ain't scary no and don't get me wrong they're fun they're they're fun goofy little movies but they're not scary and what made me want to talk about 
don't get under the bed is this one has a little bit of a reputation because for years when they would play this at Halloween, parents would complain mostly because of the boogeyman in this film that it was too scary. And in 2005, they finally acquiesced and they stopped airing it. And I don't think it saw the light of day until Disney Plus launched. Yeah. So so let's let's get into the movie itself, uh, because, you know, there's not uh, I mean, there's honestly not a lot to say story wise in this movie. I think there's some clever stuff that they do. But um, uh, so let's get into it. So so we have our main character, Francis Bacon McCausland. (laughs) Fran or sometimes Franny or uh, Francis, uh, you know, she is a. She is a high school student, but she is skipped a grade. So she's technically supposed to be in eighth grade, mm-hmm. but she is. So she's a little bit more intelligent, a little bit more mature than some of her, uh, some of her uh, people, her own age. But she is, you know, trying to, 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 to live up to the, the, the expectations uh, of her town, Middleburg, which is in the middle of the country. Um, which there's a fun little uh, side joke about that. Uh, I think there's a Centerville at the end of the yeah, country. Yeah, that, that that joke comes at the end. Uh, <laughs> but, which 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 I I appreciate it, and I actually this this movie kind of operates very very differently. Um, I, I would liken this to it's almost as if, if Disney had tried to do their own Goosebump story. This felt like a Goosebump story. Yeah, that was extended because this is a full 90 minutes. But what I found interesting is this, this movie starts off with something happening. And typically in horror films, even kid horror films, things that happen to the protagonist only happen to the protagonist for a good chunk of the time. It's very insular. And we find out these things very quickly are happening to everyone. And I thought that was an interesting approach. There's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. We got eggs falling out of the sky. I should have written more of that. Um, and then bees being drawn everywhere. So yeah, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of what feels like pranks that are happening in 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 Middleburg, and so uh, and they seem to be surrounding. Francis herself, uh, all of the the alarm clocks in the city end up going off three hours early. There are bees that are spray painted all over town, including on every locker in the high school, except for hers. Uh, her her one of her teachers, uh, her math teacher or science teacher, I forget which one. Um, biology, he, biology. He's got this this great car that he loves and he's teaching them about eggs that day. And then a bunch of eggs get just destroyed, like just all which over you know, she's car. in class when it happens. So it's like, how could you possibly blame her? Yeah, it happened while I was in your class, bruh. Um, at the same time, I I have a weird thing where like maybe just because I can't imagine owning a, a convertible, but I, I my sympathy runs a little light when you park I think illegally and then have your top down <laughs> as if, you know, you could have a, a random rainstorm. Like I, I just, I, I can't imagine like you're in there for eight hours of your day, at least cover that bad boy up. 
yeah i mean he i don't know i think <laughs> that, that for some reason that thing just really really bugged me I and mean, even when he drives home like he's got the top down and still leaves it outside even though he clearly has a garage well of course he does he's got to get that thing cleaned out you don't want to put egg rotten egg smell in your garage Ugh. and when he gets out of the car he's got eggs all over his back it is so gross yes it is very very gross and they this is this is the weird thing about this movie because it is tonally all over the place and it does have kind of some of the same musical beats as a goosebumps episode um it kind of feels just kind of goofy for for a long time and it and and it it is we don't see the the actual cause on screen we we hear things and we see shadows but we don't see the actual reason why this stuff is happening until 45 minutes into the movie yeah it's 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 a good bit and that and then the movie completely totally shifts but so before all of the during all of this Frances meets what seems to be someone her own age by the name of Larry Houdini that only she can see. What a which surprise. takes convincing. How convenient. Um, Larry Houdini, Larry not related to Harry, uh, <laughs> uh, played by uh, a, a guy that Eric Ty Hodges II, who has been in a bunch of Disney stuff around this time. And who's very, very good. I think he played the role very well. I think he's got the right energy. He he certainly had charisma. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see like he popped up in 13 episodes of Even Stevens. But like we I'm surprised we didn't see much more of him because I think he was genuinely talented. I wonder if he just aged out of it um, because he seemed to be on the maybe like slightly older teen into things. I don't honestly know because his birthday is. not. I mean, they still leaned into that. You had Tia and Tamara's twitches at one point when they were in their upper teens. I mean, Miley Cyrus's uh, older brother on uh, whatever that show was, was 30. So maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> shouldn't yeah, think about so that I mean, too hard. I, yeah, they, 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 and they use actors. They'll, you know, you that may not play the main character anymore, but you could play the main character's parent or older brother or uncle. But I also feel like this is around the time where like you being in a movie like this was not a guarantee like the Disney Channel stars kind of idea was a couple of years after. Yeah, this. It, I mean, the cl- the closest thing we had before all of that started would have probably been. Well, no, because I think the second Halloween town was still years away. So. I mean, this is the, this is still the early years of the decom. So even though you had your. uh what would become franchises like Halloween Town and Xenon Girl of the 21st Century and even Johnny Tsunami, like those didn't come out until two years after this one. So, yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, because I mean, this is before Jet Jackson, I think. This is before Lizzie McGuire. This is certainly before Hannah Montana. So, this is kind of before that Disney culture really it's- took off. It's They're right, still early. It, it's right on the cusp. In a couple of years, if you were a star of one of these movies, you might also get a show and you get a, a spinoff of that show or, or something like that, where you have your your like kind of not exactly Mouseketeers like the Mouseketeers obviously did that back in the, you know, early days of, of Disney stuff. But, you know, 
you know. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, soon they they kind of figure that thing where like, okay, we've got Raven Simone. Uh, well, we're gonna make the Cheetah Girls, you know, or even now they do stuff like the Descendants, and even when those people have aged further, all right, well. May, might be too old to do some of the Disney stuff now, but hey, let's put Dove Cameron in some of Marvel stuff. I mean, like they of, still u- utilize these actors. And, and you know, half of the cast of the Descendants were in zombies and vice versa and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, but but to get back to it. <laughs> and one cast member <laughs> is in Letterkenny. <laughs> Wait, who? Um, the son of Gaston is Jonesy. Hey. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh I'm sorry, not Jonesy Riley, uh the blonde one. Uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Wow. All right. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> yeah. Um you cannot imagine my surprise when I saw this and it's two and saw him singing and dancing there, and I was like, wait a minute. What? The what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this this paints this whole universe in a whole different direction for me. Herda. Um I know we're getting getting sidetracked, but it is important to note that, you know, this is before that Disney culture really took over. So, yeah, there's 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 reasons probably why we didn't see some of these these people again, despite the fact that, you know, um, Eric Hodges did show up and even Stevens. I, I thought I just thought he was really, really good. I mean, the 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 main person who stood out to me from the cast was Steve, uh, Steven, uh, who is in everything. Steven Tobolowsky is one of the hardest working actors in show business. You have seen him in so many things, uh, groundhog day, um, apparently space balls, which I didn't realize that was him until just a few minutes ago. <laughs> He's been the principal in the Goldbergs, uh, the entire run. And like, uh, look up Stephen Tobolowski and you'll be like, oh, that guy. You've seen him in a thousand things. He's, he's yeah, he's been in so many things, uh, film and TV, uh, who I mean, plays kind of an average dad. He yeah, he seems to understand that the parents aren't the stars and he he plays the character to a T. And while he is hamming it up exactly where he can to like kind of add his own flair, which I appreciate because I can tell when he's making these goofy choices and knowing what a good actor he is, the intention behind it makes that role work so well for me. <laughs> yeah, he makes he makes cho- there's a point where he is he is like they, they make a deal out of 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 because uh, because uh, he plays uh, uh, Francis's dad and he's the one who does most of the housework in the house and he's always cleaning up or doing something. And he's just dusting in one scene where he's having kind of a, a heated conversation with uh, Francis's mom about what's going on, because at this point, Francis has been accused of being the ringleader of all of these pranks around town. And he's just he keeps picking up all these plastic bugs that are strategically placed around the around the room. That he's cleaning <laughs> yeah. up. Like, this is such a weird thing, but I but I really appreciate it. And I don't know whose idea that was, but uh, I'm kind of there for it. Yeah, I mean, he he plays it so perfectly well. Um, Aaron Chambers as our lead, uh, Francis Bacon McCausland. I I like her. Um, she is very much like a lot of lead TV kid actors at the time. 
where there's there is some weird inexperience to their performance, but I I think she did very well here. Um, you know, she wasn't she's not asked to do a whole lot at first, except kind of play a a girl her age in a, a weird situation. And, you know, she's not written except I mean, she performs the character as written. So, I mean, the character is not like an exceptionally like. Different character. Yeah, she's she's an average kid who obviously believes the person that she's talking to is not imaginary until she gets, I mean, more than enough proof. Yeah. And that's where our story starts to take a turn, because we we know that something is causing these pranks and we see these little like two minute scenes where you just kind of see a clawed foot and something cackling. And then you see the results of the of of the prank. And. Even though like the special effects team does a good job with showing that this this creature might be somewhat fearsome, it's not really until the boogeyman's revealed that you can kind of see, and this is where the tone sort of changes because it goes from goofy kind of scavenger hunt to where we're going to have these wacky situations and then really turns into, Oh no, kids souls are at stake. Yeah. And uh, the wackiness still is there, but the, the, the boogeyman element that has been talked about once it's actually introduced to the movie, that element becomes fairly serious. So I want to back up a little bit and talk about Larry as an imaginary friend, because this is something that permeates through the story itself. And this is where I find it interesting, but also. I don't know. So around town. No one can see Larry except for children, which is, you know, and and and. I don't know. There's something about that that's like both interesting and compelling to me, but also doesn't make sense narratively to me. But again, I'm a grown man. This is a movie for kids. Why am I that worried about it? But I like yeah because the the age group this is meant to to hit is like two to three years younger than the main character. Yeah. Uh, So so as as we move forward, I just want to highlight on that because we're going to get because there's other like really interesting compelling stuff in this movie that i don't feel like like they they have they don't let quite land the plane with some of this stuff so we've got imaginary friends but it's also important to note that that francis has two brothers her older brother bert who is uh his name is albert i'm assuming albert einstein mccausland they never say his middle name, but I'm just assuming that. Uh, and then her her younger brother, who was Darwin McCoslin. Um, and we learned throughout the course of the story that Darwin had leukemia and had to get uh, 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 was it bone marrow transplants. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And got them from uh, the older brother, Bert. And. And that uh, Francis was not involved in that um that she was not a match so therefore she didn't she did not have to to donate and you know she kind of she kind of says some things about you know when when her friend is asking her about it's like i mean he just got 
just got stuck with needles. It wasn't that difficult what he did for for Darwin. It's like, hmm, I don't like so that take, there, Francis. There, there is some interesting stuff in this. And knowing that this film was originally written with a darker tone and an older audience in mind, you can kind of see where, oh, here's where we fluff a lot of stuff up. And here's where we leave some of the bones of the original thing in. When we when they talk about like the moments of the the brother's leukemia or and, the, and that one situation where like you were relieved you didn't have to donate and like some of these very real situations you're like yeah that this is what was in the original script it feels like yeah well and this and this is where i i, I actually wonder because because spoiler warning for the end of this movie um we learn that boogeymen are imaginary friends that were separated from their child before the child was ready right and let's put a pin in that because there's some holes in that logic, even even in the fairy tale logic. Sure. <laughs> with how it happens here. One hundred percent. But but as part of as part of what we we figure out with this, we learn that that Larry was actually Darwin's imaginary friend and he was pulled away from from Darwin because Francis, while all of the stuff with 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 Darwin's leukemia was going on, talk to him about how imaginary friends weren't real and that he needed to, to grow up and, and, uh, and, and that he wasn't ready for that. And as part of this, and this is where it gets kind of interesting. You see Larry starting to turn into a boogeyman. He gets the weird purpley eyes, which is the eyes. And yeah, they're, 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 really good effects. Yeah, it's really good effects. Really good uh really good um uh 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 makeup work, contact work. Uh look looks really really cool. Um So yeah, I uh, I was on that and then I got completely sidetracked and I don't remember where I was headed with that. Well, so th- this touches on something that I think is uh I've cited before uh about the strength of kids horror and how it helps them deal with trauma. And I like this as a cautionary tale of taking that away from a kid by taking away his coping mechanism. It has shown that it stifled, not only stifled her little brother's growth, but has also damaged her relationship with him and damaged the fabric of whatever the boogie world is. And I really like that. I think it's not, it's certainly not a neat metaphor and it's certainly not um, fully defined, but it's certainly there. And I really appreciate that being in this movie because one of the, one of the strengths of kids horror is that it does kind of give a lot of kids a way to process trauma. And this is what happens when you take that away. And I think that's extremely fascinating as a, an element to this movie. Well, and I want to, I want to mention something else when it comes to that, because I think that it's also very interesting to see Darwin and Larry and Larry's reaction to, to being pulled away from Darwin too early to the actual boogeyman that we are facing in the movie that we learn I mean, you get the context clues to figure out who who's it belonged to. But we learn uh, sort of in the final moments of the movie that 
the boogeyman that in question is Francis's imaginary friend who in a similar situation in her reaction to what happened with Darwin saying that she needed to grow up and she needed to, to become, you know, more grown up and, and, and face things differently. And that is what pulled her away from, which, from Francis and turned her into a boogeyman as a result, which I love in theory, the timeline does not work for me. <laughs> I agree. I agree. The timeline does not work uh, uh, as well. But I like I but I like the idea behind. That. I love the idea. I and, agree. And I and I also ultimately uh, I, I know we're jumping around, but I also ultimately really like the ending. The whole idea behind this is that we have Larry and Francis working together. To use this device called a a uh, 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 a tetrafuse to to basically make the boogeyman super old so that it can't do anything <laughs> again I, and, I thought was pretty clever and in the original in the original script of the movie the original draft it they had they used the tetrafuse and it worked but in the actual movie itself they used the tetrafuse and it it w- works for a moment but then it stops and then fran has this realization of who this boogeyman is and redeems the boogeyman and turns it turns the boogeyman back into her imaginary friend zoe and that's that's such a really cool Mm -hmm. wonderful moment of turning this thing you're afraid of into this thing that that you know like turning it around uh you know redeeming redeeming it and 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 i i really really like that um and 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 it's and it's also interesting to see her reaction to it of, oh, my imaginary friend, Zoe, you're finally back. Now we can hang out again, only for her <laughs> to say. Yeah, but this is the last time we're going to see each other because, right, you, you don't need me anymore. So we're going to move yeah, on. I, 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 I love like there are a lot of things because, like I said, this this does feel kind of like a they saw goosebumps and they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And because this this has all the twists and turns of an R.L. Stein story. And and I feel like if this had come out maybe three years prior, like the same Disney that made Hocus Pocus made this and they kind of doesn't need to be completely like redone. Like, I still want to be a kid's horror story. But if they had taken it with that kind of same severity that they did Hocus Pocus or even Nightmare Before Christmas, like they have something really great on their hands with this and it it being a decom does not make it worse by any means but the choices they made in making this movie and kind of making it disney channel ready i think do does hurt it a little bit um because i think the scary stuff that is in this they don't edit that's why this thing was complained about everything else that could have used a little tightening up in its script. And trust me, the person who directed this movie uh, is responsible of some pretty important things. The writer, director, and creator of The Bionic Woman, The Incredible Hulk Show, starring Lou Ferrigno, Alienation, the TV show, show, not the movie. Correct. Um, Short Circuit 2, and of course, well... One of the last theatrical films that he directed, uh, Steel. <laughs> also <laughs> responsible for uh, uh, Xenon Girl of 21st Century 
and, yes. and what, at least one of the sequels. Yeah, and uh, was not the creator of, but the writer and director of every 80s iteration of V, I believe. Interesting. So the person has a good variety under their belt, uh, Kenneth Culver Johnson. And I really like, I really like what they're going for here. And I think there is a lot that can be, and, and for the, gr- the age group, because I, I have heard people who are probably five to, five, 10 years younger than me talk about this movie very excitedly. I was 15 when this came out. So I was, you know, I would throw on Disney Channel or something on the weekend if I was bored, you know, if I'm flipping channels because this is what you had to do. Um, but I wasn't watching a lot of Disney Channel movies at this specific time. I was kind of this was the time where I was really kind of investigating the the, you know, harder stuff because uh, I had been <laughs> I was watching USA Network. I was USA up, up all, all night, night, baby. <laughs> USA up all night. Darn tootin'. Um, but if if I had been ten when this came out, oh, I would have eaten this up. I would have loved this. And a lot of people talk very enthusiastically about this particular one. Um, maybe with not the zeal, it doesn't have the reputation and love that Halloween Town has. Even though there are elements of that movie that have, I think, aged pretty poorly. Uh, Halloween Town is still a beloved classic to a lot of people. It's it certainly holds a lot of nostalgia to many of us and is generally considered the the one of the decom classics. I've never actually and, seen that one, uh, so I can't I can't speak to it. I just think of Halloween Town as uh, the town in uh, Night Before Christmas. Night Before Christmas. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah. uh, uh, to, to switch focus a little bit, because I do want to talk because this was a, a, a DCOM from 1999. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have to say the effects in this movie hold up pretty well for TV yes. budget stuff. Uh, yeah, it, I, I definitely want to talk about that a little bit, because, you know, as we said at the top of the show, parents complained about the scariness of this movie. And I have to say. The boogeyman doesn't look like they walked out off of a decom. It looks like they walked off an episode of Buffy. Yeah. So so the the makeup effects for for the boogeyman and for Larry. Changing mid boogeyman transition because he has different boogeyman facets as he goes through the movie. Really good stuff. The teeth work, the eye makeup, the the whiskers and, and, and hair pieces look really good. But a lot of this movie really works for me when it goes into uh, what they call Boogie World, um, which is the the world of the is a Boogie Land. No, it is Boogie World. It's boogie um, World. Boogie Land. I don't know. For some reason, works better for me. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's the Calif- where the California Boogie people go and the east coast boogie people go to boogie world that's a disney joke gang um enjoy that uh real real good disney joke anyway uh, but, but when they go to to boogie world which is an and basically a a caricaturized spooky version of what is going on underneath fran's bed i really really liked that it was sort mm-hmm. of it was like these kind of floating like like stone islands in in the middle of this dark gloomy space but it was all filled with gigantic versions of stuff you might find under somebody's bed like a toy car or a 
a, a dirty a sock, sock a, a moldy peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> like, <all this laughs> yeah, stuff there's that... there's a lot of great details to that boogie world and very, very creative. I mean, this is very kind of taking some inspiration from, you know, your Nightmare on Elm Street series. I, I really appreciated this element, maybe a little little monsters as well. Um, and this this is where the movie has a big tonal shift because it's all about how the boogeyman wants Darwin's soul and is going to, you know, take him away. And I just this this part was like it really worked for me. It feels like it's from a different movie almost. Like not narratively, just the whole tone of the movie just straight up becomes kid horror. And when you when you introduce that boogeyman, you're like, oh, oh, this isn't this is this is not a creature that's playing around like this. This is a creature that looks like it could actively hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's certainly not one of like the zombies, you know, it really looks like. Like I said, something from an episode of Buffy or or something to that effect where it, it looks like it comes from a darker perhaps more mature show. And I think that has helped honestly raise the reputation of this movie because by creating a scarier monster, by making something as, as silly as, or potentially silly as the boogeyman to a kid and making that creature kind of gnarly, it really adds some gravitas to this movie standing point in the danger of maybe growing up too fast or, not being able to process the things you need to. And I think that makes this movie so much better because you have that strange tonal shift. Even if I think that other tonal shift should have been, or that other tone, that goofier tone could have been handled better. And that's really the thing. It's the message of this movie about growing up too fast that, and and part of that is because Fran has skipped a grade and she is Mm -hmm. in high school a little early and, and she seems to actually be handling all of that very well, though, <laughs> though the powers that be and her parents, when all these pranks start going off, don't necessarily think that she is. Uh, it's it's just it's really, really interesting to see that stuff play out. And especially when it comes down to uh, and, and I'm going to talk about the final moments of this, because this is where I got a little. I got a little interested in in how this this worked, and that is so so we uh so we have redeemed everybody. We've got Larry and Zoe, and there uh, Zoe is back. She's and Larry is cured. Uh, yeah, Darwin, they're making a lot of boogie person jokes. Yeah, Darwin can Darwin can see Larry again, uh, and and but at the end they find out that there's another boogie person in Centerville. We set that joke up earlier. Um, as opposed to <laughs> Middleburg. Uh, uh, and and so Larry is tasked to go and, you know, solve the the boogeyman or the boogie person there. And Zoe's going to go with him. And we are left with. With Fran in, in her bed asleep and her little brother waking her up and talking about how he's scared and can't sleep and how he is afraid of getting sick again, but that he's not afraid of the boogeyman because he saw how she, she handled the boogeyman. She took the boogeyman out and, and handled that situation. 
and we were and they go to they go to sleep next to each other and you pan up and you see Larry and Zoe looking at them smiling and then they disappear and it's like is that the transition where they're now both actually ready is Darwin now ready to not have an imaginary friend anymore I'm so confused we spent all this time getting him back and now he's just oh. disappearing right I yeah I I do feel that they kind of they they stumble a little bit um it's not just adult horror that that stumbles the third act kids horror does it too um so yeah I agree it's it's a little weird it's a little awkward and I I dislike I dislike the oh we have to move on now because like I think he he does tell Darwin he's gonna come back though right I honestly can't remember. Uh, I, I think remember. he does. But like, it's weird that like, oh, the imaginary friend's sole position or, or purpose is to either, you know, help a kid out, a lonely kid out or stop other boogeymen randomly like that. Like this is like a uh, a preteen version of Supernatural. That's <laughs> <laughs> the boogie squad, man. I don't know. I mean, saving people, hunting things, the family business. <laughs> I, Bo- Boogie Natural. I, I, I would 100% watch that show. Um, but overall, I mean, I think that even though this movie is, is very much from the decade it came from, there is a lot of good stuff to find. There's a lot of fun performances. I think the overall message of this kid's horror tale is really great. I think the thing that might hold it back is its reputation because people now are coming to it like, oh, this is the one Disney took off the air for 15 oh, years. Super scary one. So here's and, where. Yeah. Well, yeah. So here's where I'm going to put my because uh, I'm a parent of two small children. My son is 10. My daughter is seven. Actually, she will be eight in uh, four days. So um, now keep in mind, my children, uh, oddly are way more into horror and kids horror than I ever was. I don't understand why I don't, this is their for own form of rebellion, I guess, but that's, that's my kids. <laughs> story. Um, so as a parent, and, and again, you have to know your kids uh, because if you don't, you know, you, who knows? Um, I, I would easily show this to my kids and I don't think they would be too freaked out by, by what's going on. Um, probably I, not i i from, had, what I from what i know your kids have handled pretty well i i would i would doubt it i uh, you know it's it's funny my wife and i were having a conversation about this on the way home from dinner tonight and we we're talking about jurassic park and we we remember jurassic park being super scary and my son really wanted to see jurassic park a few years ago and we were like oh well, i'm sure you're ready for that i'm not sure you're ready for that i'm not sure you're ready for that and he begged and begged and begged and finally we watched it and it was just it doesn't hit the same anymore. And then we will. Oh, so like, oh, well, you watch Jurassic Park. We'll let him watch Jurassic World. There's way worse stuff in Jurassic World. <laughs> so you've I, got I, Jimmy Buffett roaming around. It's, it's insane. He's got two margaritas, too. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that in the context of 2022, where we are right now, I, at least for my children, I think this is this is one of those things where they would probably spend more time worrying about the the weird not Franks. quite not quite uh uh like the references they don't get to some of the pranks and some of the stuff that they get like the references for the world um that's a whole other mm. conversation by the way about how 
us as millennials who only had what we had on TV at the time. So we were able to watch, we, we were required to watch a bunch of stuff that was not meant for us, not made for our generation that were 10, 20, 30 years before our time. And so we have all this weird context of stuff that happened before us that my kids will never have because they have access to everything at the touch of their fingertips that they could ever possibly want. So why would they ever watch anything other than brand new content? Um, that's a whole other conversation that I'm sure we'll cover <laughs> at some point on the show, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, but yes, I would have no issue showing this to my kids. I think they would have a good fun time with it. Yeah, it's 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 rated TV PG. And even that was kind of controversial at the time because uh, it was the only second one to have a TV PG rating. But even that, I mean, again, it's TV PG. It's a very, very chill movie. Um, I would certainly show it to my eight year old nephew. He would probably have a good time with it might find the boogeyman a little creepy but he's usually pretty good with that stuff um i but i think that kids horror doesn't always have to be scary it can just be spooky fun and i think despite the design of the boogeyman which i do i think does hold up i just think that people that that when you tell someone this was taken off the air for 15 years because it was too scary that plants a very different expectation in someone's head. Um, I think if you approach this like, yeah, the the boogeyman effects are great. And some parents found it too scary. So Disney just didn't want to deal with it. If you put that context on it, I think you can have I think you ha- can have the right expectation for this movie because I I did. I was very, very charmed by it. It's it's very fun. Is it, you know, hocus pocus level for as, as Disney? No, but it's still pretty good in the oeuvre of decoms. I would put it pretty high up there. And, um, I mean, it's lacking a musical number. I could have used a couple of those, but, uh, which is funny I, because they, they clearly had an idea for a musical number, but they didn't play the song until the end credits, which, bo- I know. which bothered me. Um, the end credits, uh, feature the song boogie wonderland, uh, the, the disco song. And it's like, where was that in the last hour and a half? Right. Um, Disney channel. But yeah, this is, this is definitely a, a, a charming Halloween treat that I think, yeah, most, most kids, um, and especially like tweens, I would say like eight to tween, uh, would probably have a very good time with. I agree. So miles, uh, as we move on from don't look under the bed, let's talk about what's happening next week so next week and we had dropped a couple of hints throughout this episode we're gonna stay in disney which is something i was a little uh reluctant to do when we started doing these trunk or treats but we had a really 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 good reason this year uh after 29 years we are gifted with the return of the sanderson sisters and which has already been the number one streamed film on Disney Plus. And I don't see that record breaking out anytime soon. And since we were having such a seminal return, I felt that we probably should have a second seminal return. And we are going to be joined talking about Hocus Pocus 2 by our good friends at Horror for Kids. I 
am so excited. Want to talk about Hocus Pocus 2, but I cannot wait to talk to Horror for Kids again. I we had the best time with them last year. Um, we keep we keep in touch throughout the year, and uh, we probably need to be better about having them on just to do like not just spooky months. This is a little on the nose, but yeah. <laughs> it's also a great excuse to have them back. Um, Drew, do you have a connection with Hocus Pocus at uh, all? I only saw Hocus Pocus for the first time a few years ago. I'm pretty okay. sure it was post Disney Plus when I saw it for the first time. Uh, we wow. have att- we we attempted to show it to our kids a few years ago. My son lost interest in it very quickly. My daughter <laughs> watched pieces of watched the whole thing and then watched pieces of it. Uh, but it's also been a few years since that um, mm-hmm. because again. Disney Plus came out in like 2020. So, and as we all recall, actually it came out at the end of 2019. And as we all recall, yeah. uh, you know, what happened uh, the next couple of years after that, um, time uh, flowed a little bit differently. Um, but no, I did not have a huge connection with Hocus Pocus. I was not a Disney Channel kid. We didn't have Disney Channel as a channel on our cable until I was. I might have been in high school by the time it happened. So I missed a lot of that stuff. Um, gotcha. So, you know, I, I I think I remember the first, my only real Disney channel memories is watching an even Stevens marathon because there was literally nothing else on. So I, I, I have definitely been in that situation. Now I will say Hocus Pocus was a theatrical released movie uh, that did get aired on stations other than Disney. But I'm I'm excited to to revisit uh, Disney's version of the town of Salem. And um, I'm very excited that so many of the uh, original stars in terms of like the background characters, uh, as well as the original Sanderson sisters led by Bette Midler. I'm 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 very pumped to to check this one out. Uh, It's on Disney Plus right now. I believe also you can rent it elsewhere. I'm not sure if it's exclusive to Disney Plus or not. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. I I, I feel I like think I, I might be mixing it. that up with the monsters because Rob Zombie's monsters was released on Netflix, but you can buy it on Amazon. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I, I don't know. I can't I can't remember because I know I've seen it in things, but it might just be a, have been a link to the Disney Plus uh, thing. Uh, so a, a note about next week, though, I found out earlier this morning that my Internet service provider is going to be performing uh, maintenance on our na- my neighborhood Uh, At some point starting next Tuesday, which is when we normally record these episodes. So the episode may be late next week. If it happens, we're going to be be likely recording on Thursday with the release on Friday, which gives you guys I'm doing this on the fly. If you have any questions for horror for kids, uh, email them to us. Uh, Not that we'll have a lack of things to talk about, but if you've got some questions you'd like to ask, we would love to field them for you because I'm sure they would love to hear from listeners. So uh, until next time, you can email us at themoreyounerd at gmail.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyounerd and you can visit our Threadless store, themoreyounerd.threadless.com. I have not put up a new design in a little bit. I probably should do that at some point in time. but I'm still super proud of our um, Godzilla arcade and our our mech. 
our, our Gundam. So, so I'm good. I'm so really good. happy with those designs. So uh, Krista wears that uh, that Gundam baseball tee all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, so until next time, gang, we're going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out. out.